welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. really powerful scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 where the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 8 which we looked at last week and, and it, it goes this way in Psalm or, or rather Hebrews chapter 2 beginning at verse 5 he said but somewhere in a certain place I, I love that even the writer of Hebrews couldn't always remember the addresses I, I love that Somewhere in a certain place, someone has said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Isn't that funny? I mean, when you, when you, when you go to Psalm 8, verses 4 to 8, it's quoted perfectly. He just couldn't remember the address. I love that. That, that, helps, that helps somebody like me a lot. Probably helps you a lot too. You're trying to memorize scripture and how many have trouble remembering it just kind of... You go, where'd it go? I thought I was memorizing it. Suddenly it went away. Yeah, I understand. So does, so does scripture. What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him, that has made him a little lower than the angels, that has created him with glory and honor? And that has put all things under his feet. Listen. And that he put all things under his feet. He left nothing that is not put under his feet. And then he makes a statement, we didn't yet see all things put under his feet, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. And as he goes on, he makes it really, really clear that, that though through man's sin in the garden and his rebellion and, and our personal rebellions against God, and how many here would be really, really honest and say, oh yeah, yeah, I've rebelled against God at times. I've done my own thing. I've, I've been self-willed. Am I the only brave one in the room? <laughs> 20 of us in this room are brave enough to, to admit it. The rest of you, all liars will find their, no, never mind. <laughs> There's mercy and grace. <laughs> when, we, when we are redeemed, when Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, the scripture says he raises us up and makes us sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. In other words, we are restored to that lofty position. Now, we're not there yet physically. If we were, I wouldn't be battling this virus in my back. Okay? And having doctors dig on my ear. You know, we wouldn't battle these physical things we battle. Come on, amen? If we were in that spot. Physically, we're not there yet. We're going there. We're just not there yet. But spiritually, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And that means that spiritually, we have the authority to be stewards of his kingdom. It's an amazing thing that God has done for us. That he has given us that lofty position and that, and that place that we have in him to rule and reign with him. We are supposed to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Literally, as, as you see up here in, in the scripture, 
we, we looked a moment ago at Psalm 8, 4 to 8, and Ephesians 2, 6. He has raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places. But look at this next scripture. Go to the next slide for me. Look at this next scripture. This is amazing. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Okay, how many, how many here, how many here are the church? You know you're born again. You're the church of Jesus. Okay, amen. He's, he's building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Jesus Christ has given you and I the command and the authority to take his kingdom authority and power and go into the community and crush the gates of hell. Wednesday night I shared this story. And I, I, I had not thought of it in, in quite a while. But as I was praying for us and for our city, God reminded me of it the other day through a dream. How many remember in, in November of 1989 that, that uh, Checkpoint Charlie opened up and the, and the Berlin Wall came down and the Iron Curtain fell? Amen? Remember that? Well... Four weeks leading up to that, God had Juan and I ministering behind the Iron Curtain. We'd been ministering in Poland and at that time Czechoslovakia, Moscow, and Tashkent, Uzbekistan. And during, during that, that time behind the Iron Curtain, we'd not only smuggled in Bibles, but we were doing prayer assignments. And on November the 3rd in Tashkent, God had me go to the center of the city where they had this huge parade ground and a 300 foot statue of linen. And he had me pray Psalm 33 and cast to the ground communism and socialism. I take the authority of Jesus' name that communism and socialism would be cast to the ground and the gospel would flood into the Soviet Union. And it was, it was two weeks before that in Gliwice, Poland, God had given me a dream that he was going to open a window. And remember at that same time, under, under Gorbachev, the refuseniks were, were coming out of the Soviet Union and these freedom trains. Anybody remember the freedom trains that were being talked about? You have to, I know, you got to be really old to remember this stuff. We're talking 1989. But the freedom trains and, and hundreds and hundreds of, from the Soviet Union were coming out and they were coming into Vienna and I was actually at one of the refugee centers where, uh, where they, they, they were living and then going from there to, to, to Rome and then to the U.S. And they were coming by the thousands into the U.S. at that time. And, and God showed me that this was a window that God was creating a vacuum that was going to open and the gospel would go flooding into the Soviet Union. For a season. And then the window would slam shut. And the church would come under the worst persecution in the history of the church. And now, two weeks later, he's given me this prayer assignment in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. 
November the 5th, we flew from Tashkent back to Moscow, Moscow to Budapest. We met our wives in Budapest, celebrated Wanda's birthday there in Budapest by going to the largest McDonald's in the world at that time. When, you, when, you, when you've been behind the Iron Curtain that long, you want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> okay. Little side note that's really funny. We, to, to get our visas into the Soviet Union, they required us to fly first class and to stay at five-star hotels. And so at these five-star hotels, we'd go to dinner and they'd give you this really thick leather-bound menus. And so the first night I ordered steak because the prices were crazy. The ruble, it was 85 million rubles to the American dollar. I'm teasing. That's speaking in hyperbole. And uh, anyway, and the guy goes, Nick's. And I said, oh, okay. Well, so I, I ordered some other kind of meat. And he goes, Nick's. I go, well, what do you have? Chicken. I'll have chicken. <laughs> This is no kidding. The week we were behind the Iron Curtain, every night we would go through this routine. Chicken. I'd have chicken. They bring out the scrawniest chicken you ever saw in your life. So for a week we'd been eating scrawny chicken. So when we had a chance to go to McDonald's, we went to McDonald's. That night we caught the train from Vienna. We drove back to Vienna and caught the train from Vienna to Amsterdam. That's November 6th, November 7th. We're walking to our plane. We had, we had visited the house of Anne Frank that day, had time to do that. We went to the house of Frank and some other places there in Amsterdam. And then we're walking to our plane. As I go by a newsstand, they have a USA Today there. And I look and the headlines were... Checkpoint Charlie had opened up and people were taking chunks of the wall. And as I was sitting, waiting for our, for our plane to board, I just saw this vision that on November the 3rd, hundreds, maybe thousands of God's children were standing with their hands against the gates of hell. And by the authority of Jesus' name, we were crushing those gates and commanding them to come down so that the gospel could come flooding in to the Soviet Union. And it was amazing. Three days later, I'm back home and I'm in the... I'm in shaving, getting ready to go to the office that morning at 6 in the morning, and I'm listening to a live broadcast from Winslow Square. Just three weeks before that, I'd been at Winslow Square handing out tracts and witnessing, keeping an eye out for the Securitate, because that's go to jail time. And I'm listening as in Winslow Square, the Velvet Revolution is taking place. And communism is thrown to the ground. And Czechoslovakia is free again. All in the name of Jesus. Because God 
has made us to be warriors in his kingdom. Now look, look, this is what he said, Jesus himself. He said, from the time of John till now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Folks, we don't easily extend the kingdom of God. We must be very forceful. We must be very militant. It doesn't just happen. He said this in Luke, Jesus again. He said, the kingdom of God is preached and they're pressing into it. Doesn't just happen. You want to see your sons and daughters? You want to see your parents? You want to see your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers come to Jesus and come to salvation? It's not just going to happen. It's going to happen because you, as a son and daughter of God, you recognize the authority God has given to you and you press the kingdom. You crush the gates of hell and you loose them so they can come to Jesus. And something just happened to my voice. Thank you, Jesus. But we got to understand the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's why Paul said, though we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This isn't a physical battle. And by the way, can I just be a little political here? It's not Green Party, Republican Party, progressive, conservative, Democrat, Republican, donkey, elephant. That's not, listen, those, those are all in the natural. And when we fight at that level... We may win at that level. We, 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 may, we may win at that level. We may win at that level and think that, that, we, that we are doing something that we're, we're pushing against progressives or the progressives are doing their social engineering. We, we may think we're getting, we're getting victories that way. But dear ones, listen to me. Those are temporary. And as a son and daughter of Almighty God, you must understand we live by the eternal. And so we fight and we warfare in the spirit. Because we're living for the kingdom of almighty God. We extend for the kingdom of almighty God. And yes, that, that, that does deal with moral issues. Just the same way as the Ten Boom family rescued Jewish people. And Corey and her, uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and her family suffered greatly for that. Just as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, he, he fought against the spirit of Nazism. Yes, yes, we understand that. Just as right now today, we have brothers and sisters under the boot of ISIS and they're suffering Dear ones, it's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. And we fight it in the spirit, not in the natural. There are moral issues. We must rescue babies. We must rescue girls that are in the sex trafficking. We must. We must do these things. 
We must see alcoholism and addictions broken. We must see domestic violence cast to the ground. But we fight these things in the, in the spirit. Amen. Do we do things in the natural to help things? Of course we do. And so God sends some to rescue them and pull them out. And so God raises up his sons and daughters to work in child protective services, to work in law enforcement, to work in the hospital, to work in other places. Of course he does, because we have to do those things in the natural. But it's one in the spirit before you win it in the natural. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And God's given us some mighty weapons. We, we learned a few weeks ago that one of our mighty weapons is worship. And all of you should have received a card today, a, a little bookmarker. I know that's hard to use on your iPhone and your iPad, but a little bookmarker. Maybe you can put it on your refrigerator or tape it somewhere where, where you've got it nearby to remind you of the, of the Hebrew words for worship and how, and how to use those in your personal worship and developing a personal culture of worship. That is a mighty weapon you must use. But there's another mighty weapon that God has given to you and I that we must use. Paul wrote about it this way in in Philippians chapter 2, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he, that he, he made himself of no reputation and became a man and humbled himself as a man and was obedient even to the death of the cross. And then he said, for, for this reason, God has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven... And things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The amazing thing about this statement is that Jesus Christ's name is exalted above every, every, every other name. Whether it's a prime minister or a president, whether it's a dictator, whether it's a mafia Lord boss, it, 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 it doesn't matter because the Lord Jesus Christ's name is higher. Whether we're talking Lucifer and the, and the fallen angels or we're talking demons or whether, whether we're talking about the angels in heaven and the saints in heaven. Dear ones, there, there's coming a day when every single knee will bow and confess, Jesus Christ, you our Lord, and there's none higher. Amen? Amen. But it's not just futuristic. Okay, stop right now. Stop right now. I'm going to have you um, go to the next slide for me, would you please? I'm going to come back to that one. I know I got you out of order. I apologize. But no, no, the one back behind. There you go. Back one. I know you are. There you go. Thank you. Okay, look here. I, I messed her up. That's not her fault. It's my fault. Look here. Listen closely. You've, you've got to get this in your heart. It's not just futuristic. 
Jesus said these words to his disciples. The night he was being betrayed, he said these words to them. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Watch this. He, he, he made this statement. After he had risen from the dead, he made this statement to his disciples. He said, I want you to go, and in my name you'll cast out devils. In my name you'll speak with new tongues. In my name you shall heal the sick. In my name, if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. In my name. Yes. In my name. Now, do you realize what Jesus Christ was doing? He was giving to us a power of attorney. The scripture says he is the head of all principality and power. Now, previous to that, Lucifer and his fallen angels, they were the rulers of the darkness of this world, the prince of the power of the air. But now Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has conquered them. He has spoiled them. He's made an open shame of them. And he now has all authority in heaven and in earth. He now is the head of all principality and power. And he says to you and I, I give you this power of attorney. Go and operate in my name. I give you the authority in my name. Yes. Yes. So what would you do? If the head of Microsoft called you in and gave you a legal document, the power of attorney that you could use his name and that you had all the authority and power to go and do business in his name, what would you do? Would you go home and sit and wring your hands and worry over your bills you couldn't pay? Would you wring your hands over the fact that you can't do this? Would you, ring, would you be wringing your hands? Would you be worrying? Would you be fretting? I doubt that. I think you'd be going down to the bank and you'd be using that. And I'm telling you a greater than Microsoft I'm telling you a greater than the United States Congress who prints their own money. I'm telling you a greater. When they don't have money, they just print it. I'm telling you a greater. I'm telling you a greater. A greater authority. The one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The one who owns the wealth in every mine. I am telling you the one who has healed all your diseases. I'm telling you, the one who is the God of all comfort. I'm telling you, the one who says, 
That if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He has given to you the power of attorney to pray in the authority of his name. Why are you worrying? Why are you fretting? Why? Only because you don't really know and understand what God has given to you. That's why. And so I am telling you this morning, I'm giving you the scripture. I am showing you by the authority of God's word. You have been given this authority and I say to you now, stop worrying, start praying. Stop fretting, start praying. Stop living in drama, live in perfect peace. Almighty God has given that to you by the authority of Jesus' name. Yes. Are you tired of seeing domestic violence in our city? Are you tired of seeing addiction? Are you tired? Listen, the fastest growing drug in Hermiston right now is heroin. Because it's as cheap as meth. I say that to you by the authority of our chief of police who told me that just two weeks ago. Folks, it's time to stop it. And the only way we can do that is when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ rises up in the authority of Jesus' name and says, not on our watch. We are not having this on our watch. We're stopping it now. And we take the authority of Jesus' name and we drive those drug dealers out of our cities and out of this county. Stop it. Not on my watch. Well, pastor, does it really work? Yes, it really works. I, I share this with you with not even a little bit of exaggeration. Since the late 1970s, when God taught me this, that I'm teaching you, and taught me that I really could believe him for our cities, God gave me this one neighborhood to start prayer driving that neighborhood. And I began praying. And he would have me stop in front of this house time after time and just command in the name of Jesus that that house would come to salvation. Two years later, I had to have some, some dental work done. And I, I went to a new dentist. And, uh, and we're talking. And this is I know who you are. And I said, well, I don't really know who you are. And we began just sharing a little bit. And... and uh, and then he began telling me where he lived. Would you believe it? <laughs> Guess which house it was. And six months before that, he had come to salvation in Jesus Christ and his whole family. A house in our neighborhood began having the appearances that it was becoming a drug house. We began prayer walking around and commanded in the name of Jesus and they left. Took about two months, but they left. And then this funky, crazy bus started parking in our neighborhood. And it smelled like rotten eggs. And you know what's going on. And we began prayer and commanding that to leave. It was there about two weeks and it was gone. Never came back. 
Folks, listen, the authority of Jesus' name. He's given you the authority, but you must believe. When Jesus said these scriptures in my name, he's giving us a power of attorney, but he's giving us something greater than that. He's made us ambassadors for his kingdom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the apostle Paul said this, Now we beseech thee, as ambassadors of Christ, we beseech thee, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. When Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom, he's not just giving us the power of attorney, he is making us ambassadors for the kingdom. Now, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative appointed by the prime minister or the president of a nation to go to another nation and to be the representative of that nation in that nation they're sent to. And they carry the full authority of the prime minister or the president. Now, the interesting thing is, is they build an embassy and that embassy property is... If, if in, like for the United States, okay? That embassy property is the property of the United States. Yeah. So when you go on that property, you are in the United States. Yeah. I was privileged to be at the embassy in Canada. I've been privileged to be in the embassy in Croatia. Been privileged to be at the embassy in some of the other nations. And when you go in there, you are on the soil of the United States. Our oldest daughter, both our daughters were born in Canada, so they had dual citizenship. Well, now they, they have three citizenships because they're also citizens of Croatia now. But, uh, but they were, so we went to the United States Embassy when our oldest daughter was born to, to sign the documents and to, to, to register her as a citizen of the United States. And we hadn't done this before, and so it was all just brand new to us. And we're at the U.S. Embassy, and, and we're, we're filling out these documents and... and uh, and we get them all filled out and this lady came out and she was reviewing the documents and, and when she got done reviewing she looked up at me and I said so let me ask you a question you know, when, when, when will she become a citizen and, and she looked at me and this, this is her exact words I didn't know who she was at that time I later learned that she was the first assistant to the, the actual ambassador in Canada she looked at me and she says oh you need to understand as soon as I sign my name, hmm. your daughter is a citizen of the United States of America with the full rights and privileges and protection hmm. Hmm. of the United States of America. Hmm. Because when I sign my name, it's as if the President of the United States himself hmm. signed this document. As we were driving home, I began to think about that statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I began to think about, if he ask anything in my name. Yeah. Yeah. See, so often we do this, oh, and we ask in Jesus' name, like it's a punctuation mark. <laughs> we say, in Jesus' name, boink, put the period. Put the exclamation point. If you're really serious, in Jesus' name, we put the exclamation point. So you don't understand. 
Well, the moment you say, in Jesus' name, you are signing the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the head of all principality and power. You are invoking all of the authority and power of heaven. Come on. Your mighty weapon. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So when you pray and you say, in the name of Jesus, you are saying to every demonic force, bow. You are saying to every fallen spirit, bow. You are saying to Lucifer himself, bow. You are saying to everything that the enemy tries to throw against you, not in the name of Jesus Christ, not on my watch, not in this house, not in this family, not in this neighborhood. No. What about in your own life? Fear? Worry? Anxiety? Jealousy? Insecurity? Rejection? Low self-worth? Victimization? Stubbornness? Self-will? Personal addictions? Anger, stubbornness, underachievement, what are you bad? You have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the power of his name. Yes, yes, you must be willing to bow and humble to that name. And you must be willing to surrender to that name. But when you do, and then when you invoke it, see, when you come into obedience, recognize, recognize the key words. Being obedient, even to the death, even to the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And so he says to you and to me, when you will humble yourself and be obedient, even to the death of self, when you will be obedient, then you have the power and the authority of my name. As my ambassador, I give you the power of attorney to sign my name. And in my name, come on, amen? In my name. But here's the last thing you gotta ask in faith. You gotta ask in faith, right? When the, when the apostle Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and the man was healed at the gate beautiful, I'm sorry. It was a couple of days later after the day of Pentecost and the man was healed at the gate beautiful. And everybody came running to Peter and he looked and he says, why are you coming to us as if we healed this man? 
And then he talks about Jesus and he says, it's by his name. And through faith in his name, this man is healed. And that is why when we go to the gospel of Mark chapter 11, and the Lord Jesus Christ is talking and he says, have faith in God. And you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it shall be done if you believe in your heart and doubt not. The things that you ask will be done. And in the gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is talking, he said it this way, and nothing shall be impossible to you. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.